I trust that this morning we will be stretched, that our comforts will be stretched. We want to be a people radically word-based, right? We want to be a people that live according to the word. It's the word of God. A Christian that follows his own ideas, is he truly a follower of Christ? A follower of Christ is someone that follows the teaching of Jesus. Um, So someone that follows the, the scriptures and puts them into practice more than anything else. It says that those that are wise builders that built a house on the rock are those that put his word into practice. Um, we sing that song, but it's actually a very, there's true application to our lives. If we don't apply the scriptures, it's like building a house in the sand. When storms of this life come, it just washes the foundations away, and then we collapse. But those who put his words into practice is them who endure. Is the sound all right? Is it in a bit? Uh, fine. Okay. So it's just me. Guys, I just want to thank you. I know we, we finished the soundproofing. Did you see that? So the wall's completed. And um, just quickly on that, I know this is not part of the teaching, but I just want to take this opportunity. I just want to thank a couple of people. There's some people that spend, man, days working on that drywall. Uh, not drywall, the soundproofing. So I just want to thank, um, I'm just going to read some names, so just bear with me. But I want to honor and thank these people that really put in. Saturdays, evenings. Um, so we've got um, Jay, Jurgen, Dirkie, Mornay, Ruan Els, Philip, Anzel, Leon, Stephen, Peter, um, the whole Crips family, Esther, Henku, Chris, Ben, Tony, Devin, Greg. Thank you so much. Thank you. And then there's four people that I specifically want to thank that really coordinated, ran with everything, um, put in a lot of work in, behind the scenes to make this happen. So I want to thank Junior, I want to thank David, I want to thank Peter, and I want to thank Shaw. Thank you so much. Thank you. <clears throat> so this will help us in our hall just to get some, there's still some things, I think there's carpet that still needs to come and a couple of things, so hopefully when all of that is sorted, then... Then we're good to go. Back to the Word. <laughs> so um, we want to apply the Word of God because that's where we find life. That's where we build our house on the rock. So this morning will challenge you to some degree or another. That's a good thing because <laughs> we're not like Jesus yet. We receive the fullness of Christ, but we still need to become like Him. And um, we still want to be like Him. And, and so for that reason we will be confronted with these truths because we've got our own truth. We've got our own way of thinking, our own preferences. And the word of God comes and he confronts that. He says that his word is like a, a sword that comes to cut. And so allow his word to cut this morning. So this morning's title is Flip the Script. It's not, a, it's not the date. Um, but if you want to put the date down, it's the 7th of May. So we're going to read through the Psalm 150 quickly. Let's get the PowerPoint from here. Is it there? There we go. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. And praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. And praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and with dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Who needs to praise God? Everything that has breath. Quickly do this. So that means everyone that has breath in the lungs is included in this. We need to praise Him. That's all of us. All of creation needs to praise Him. So this morning, I want to speak about praising God. It's not just limited to when we come together like this as an assembly of God, but even in your personal life. And I want to look at why it is important. Praising God is a key that will help you to find breakthrough in a lot of areas of your life. Praise is an opportunity to focus on God and focus off ourselves. And so I just want to do a bit of a, more of a teaching approach this morning. I want to look at why we need to praise God. How do we do it? When do we do it? And what happens when we praise God? So firstly, let's look at when we need to praise God. Psalm 145 says, every day I praise the Lord. Okay? Every day. Then David writes in Psalm 119, 77 times a day I praise the Lord. Okay, so if you, I know some of you like, okay, tell me how, tell me when, tell me all the details. So there we've got it. Every day, at least seven times a day. So just quickly by that raise of hands. <laughs> Who's up there? <laughs> so not many of us are up there. Does it mean that we need to have a tracker on our phones that we tick off? Okay, I'm at number four today. Oh, it's eight o'clock at night. I quickly need to squeeze in three more before <laughs> it's 12. That doesn't mean that. It means that we need to continually... Hebrews 13, continually be praising God. The reality is we just, by demonstration, none of us are doing it seven times a day. There's a reason why we need to do it seven times a day. Because it will help us to navigate everything we face in this world. Psalm 115 says forevermore. Continually, forevermore. It means that there's no end. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I praise God through all times. So it's in the good times and in the bad times. It's not just when it's difficult. It's when it's good and when we feel at our peak in life, then we need to praise God. At our lowest point, then we need to praise God. So it's every day, seven times a day, continually, forevermore, and through all times. So essentially, what the Bible teaches us when it comes to praising God, it's everywhere at any given time. Whether on your own, in our bed, we'll read some scriptures now. We're going to read a lot of scriptures and cover a lot of scriptures. The psalmist says, in my bed at midnight, I arise to praise the Lord. And have you done that lately? (laughs) Do you have to do it? No, not necessarily. But it's that deep hunger to express our gratitude and our love for God. It's our deep delight. C.S. Lewis said, when praising God... It, 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 it not only initiates something in our hearts, but it completes our delight for God. Praising God completes our delight for God. So many of us are like, I, I love God, I delight in Him, but I do it in my thoughts. I do it inside. But if I read Scripture, not one of the words that refers to praise refers to thoughts or quiet or in your heart. Everything refers to expression. So praising God puts expression and completion to our true delight in Him. 
So we do it in private. Psalm 30, 63, Psalm 119 says, In the wilderness on my bed at midnight. Um, there's ample scriptures that speaks when we get together in the assembly, we praise God. 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 5.13, Psalm 84. Just ample saying that when the church comes together, when the house of the Lord comes together in the sanctuary, we need to praise Him. And then 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says that we are a chosen people. Once we're in darkness, now in the kingdom of light, a royal nation, royal priesthood, to proclaim His praises. And it's something that we need to do public, is to proclaim the praise of God. When you look at the end, why and what happens when we do praise God, but it's a powerful thing. Essentially, it takes our focus off ourselves and it puts our focus on God. And you all know that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And all the things of this world will grow strangely dim. When it's good, it's helpful to be reminded that without Him, we can do nothing. It's good to be reminded that without Him, I can't save myself. It's because of Him that I have salvation. When it's going bad, it's helpful to be reminded that this isn't my source of joy. Life isn't my source of joy. This person isn't my source of joy. God is. So it takes a focus of what we are facing, good or bad, and puts it on God. Years ago, and this is something I do throughout my life in, in a lot of situations, um, I use this little illustration of encouragement. So um, it's to pause or to praise and to pause. Any of you remember that years ago? A couple of people. So daily, seven times a day, <laughs> regularly, continually, have a moment where you praise and pause. PP. Okay? The reason why I called it PP, it's obviously praise and pause, it's two Ps, but it's to help us to understand how important it is. We regularly, every day, continually, seven times a day at least, need the bathroom to go PP. We need to do it. It's, it's, it's something that we need to do. In the same way, we need moments throughout the day where we pause and we just praise God and we wait on Him. And I encourage the congregation back then, and I want to encourage us now, regularly, continually, seven times a day, every day, take a minute and for 30 seconds, just praise God. And then for 30 seconds, just pause and wait on Him. Scripture says those who wait on Him will renew their strength. They'll mount up in eagle's wings. So regularly, seven times a day, just take a minute. Seven minutes in your day, I'm sure we can manage that. And we just regularly take 30 seconds and we just praise God. Like we need a bathroom, it's a necessity. This is a necessity. We need to praise God. Because we get caught up by the cares of this world. We get caught up by the, the, the rush of this world. Schools, work, all the various things. We need moments where we just quiet ourselves and we praise God. And we wait on Him. So PP, praise and pause. So how do we praise God? And I want to look at a couple of Hebrew words for the word praise. Why? Because when the original writers wrote the Bible, they had a specific idea when they wrote certain words. So for us, praise. What is praise? What, it is, what is it to praise God? I think we'll have two, three hundred different definitions for what it is to praise God. 
And sometimes it's helpful just to look at what the original writers meant so that we can, we can get our definition closer to the original meaning of Scripture. And we understand when the writer said, praise God in the sanctuary, praise Him at night, midnight in your bed, what did He mean? What did it look like? And so I want to look at that to, to in a sense, lay a certain foundation of how we need to praise God. Psalm 111 verse 1. That's a lot of ones. 111 verse 1. It says, I will praise God with my whole heart. I think that's the first thing when we speak about how do we need to praise God. We need to settle that. I want to do it with all my heart. We're going to look at various ways that we can do it. The danger is that we start picking and choosing. What am I most comfortable with? Because then we lost the plot. With my whole heart. With everything. I want to praise God. So firstly... The first Hebrew, uh, Hebrew word I want to look at is halal. Halal is where we get the word hallelujah from. And the root word there means to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast, to rave, and to celebrate. Have you ever been at a place where people raved? It's, it's expressive. <laughs> it's loud. We went to go watch rugby last night. We were a bit late, um, but it was still fun. I saw a lot of people halal. People were dancing, people were shouting, people were celebrating, they were boasting. Um, why did they boast? Because the stormers gave the bulls a hiding, and a good hiding. Any bull supporters here? No <laughs> shame. We'll pray for you. <laughs> Just praise God. <laughs> Take, <laughs> be encouraged. It's to, to celebrate, to rave, to boast in God. We see that in Psalm 113. Praise the Lord, Allah. Praise the Lord, you servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord, God, in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Psalm 149, verse 3 says, Let them praise Allah, the name of the Lord, with dancing, and make music with him, with a temple and a harp. Praise him with dancing. So it's to boast, it's to celebrate. And sometimes that celebration, sometimes that dancing, is exp- or that praise is expressed in dancing. There's a lot of other references that you'll read, and that's probably the main word when it speaks about praise. Um, It's over 250 times we see the word praise in scriptures. The majority of that is this word, and it's to boast. It's to celebrate. It's to rave. So we see here that let them praise him with dancing. And the reason why I quickly want to just stand on this, we're going to speak about what it is to praise God individually in your own walk and, and, and corporately. But individually and corporately, there needs to be moments of dancing. Expression. Why? Because He saved us of so much. We have access to the living God, His presence. When David lost the presence of God, because David and them, they were raided by the Philistines. The Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, was taken. They realized, we need God. We are nothing without His presence. They saw someone else getting blessed who had the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and they got the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, back. And while doing that, David celebrated and he danced. Why? Because he realized how precious that was. And he celebrated in the goodness of knowing that he's got access to the presence of God. Celebrated in the goodness of the blessing of God. So sometimes... Our praise is expressed in dancing. Does it have to happen every time? No. 
Is it only for the extroverts? No. Praising God, is it a buffet that we get? And there's raising of hands, there's shouting, there's dancing, there's boasting, there's celebration. Is, is praising God a buffet that I go and I look and I choose? What am I most comfortable with? So there's a, there's a platter and there's an array of options and I choose. Is it a buffet? I don't think so. I look at the life of David, a man after God's own heart, and he praised God. Sometimes it was a shouting. Sometimes it was dancing. Sometimes it was just celebrating the goodness of God. And you see one man expressing his delight in a variety of ways. And his focus wasn't what was, uncomfortable, what was comfortable for him. His focus was on the goodness of God. And sometimes that expression, sometimes that completion of that delight was expressed in dancing and shouting, in lifting up his hands, in thanksgiving. And so if we want to look for reasons why we can't, and they all start with, I'm not comfortable, I can't, I'm others, then I think we miss what it's all about, because it shouldn't be about the I, it should be about you are. You are. Thank you. You have. And so if our focus is on the I, we need to shift it. Because praising God is not about me. It's about His goodness. And where worship is a response to a great God, praising God for me is a decision of saying, I'm going to express my delight. Because sometimes I, I don't feel, I don't see, but I know that you've saved me. And so I will initiate. And sometimes in that, you see something of God and that flows into adoration. And that flows into abandonment and surrender. So it's not a platter. So obviously, if, if dancing is difficult for you, I get it. I get it. And worship shouldn't be forced on anyone. Praising God shouldn't be forced. So, but you know, sometimes if I tell my child, you've got to go clean the room, it feels like they've been forced to do it. And sometimes obedience feels like I'm forced. But then I shift my focus from that and I focus on him. I'm like, yeah. Why not? Why not? And see, if it is a mission for you, I get it. I remember. I remember. If you've got arms, just, just do this. God, God sees. <laughs> God sees. For some, for some that, that's it, you know. You don't, we don't have to dance on you. This, is, is this, this isn't praising God. This is just, there's space. But there's a lot of space. There's something they call the running man. if you've ever ran or you ever did a marathon or you ever do some exercise if you do any form of exercise you can dance for the lord just do the running man if you don't know what the running man is just run on the spot just do high knees or do a squat jump whatever the case might be but for me it's not so much about getting the dancing right it's about expressing your delight I remember with the World Cup, introverts, extroverts, people that had limitations or not, if you were into it that, some people were into that even though they'd never watched rugby before. And when Ches and Colby scored the try, and it was like, yes, we've done it. There was an expression. There was jumping from people I've never saw jump before. Because there's expression of delight. So let's not get caught up with 
How should it look? Just close your eyes and say, Lord, because of your wondrous acts, because of your goodness, because of your love that endures forever, I'm just going to I'm going to on the dance. Just express your delight. Don't worry about people, because that moment, I tell you now, the moment you just go for it, you forget about the people, and you enjoy it. We'll chat about, at the end, we'll chat about why, because there's something that happens when we, when we praise Him like this. There's something that happens when we praise Him like this. There's something that happens when we shout. Okay, let's quickly run through the others. Yada. Yada means to extend the hands, to throw out the hands. Why do we raise our hands? Because it's biblical. That's a form of praising God. It's to raise our hands. We see it here. It says, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. And that word, Hebrew word actually meant that giving thanks was to extend your hands. I will bless thee as long as I live. I will, Yada, lift up my hands. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Oh, that men would lift up their hands. So it was a sign of praising God. It was an extension of gratitude in Scripture. You see most references in, at the bottom there. I'll try and get the slides to the communities if you want to just look at that. Toda. Toda also referred to raising up of hands, but it was specifically connected with thanksgiving. Part of the Hebrew culture was if you thank someone, you raised out your hand, and it was a sign of to say thank you. Thank you. We sometimes do it. Hey, thank you. And this is the extension of hand. It's just acknowledgement. And the scripture here, or the Hebrew word here, it's extension of hand specifically related to thanksgiving. We read here, offer to God sacrifice of thanksgiving. Offer to God sacrifices of thanksgiving. Offer to God this. Thank you, Lord. That's what the scripture means. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving to perform your vows to the Most High. And there's more scriptures. So this is not just a platter where we pick and choose. We want to express all of that, not just in one. You don't have to do everything in one go, but there's an expression throughout your life of the goodness of God. Shabbat. Shabbat means to shout. You probably heard some shouting if you've been in this congregation. It's biblical. Oh, clap your hands, all your peoples, and shout to God with a voice of joy. One generation shall praise. Shout. Thy works to the other. Cry aloud and shout for joy. Have you ever been at a sports game, school sports game? Have you ever seen one of the moms climb out of a fortune? I don't know why fortunate, but normally it's a, it's a fortuner. Have you ever seen a fortunate mom next to a field? Shabbat, fortunate mom. That's how that looks. It's a fortunate mom. <laughs> Reese with the play rugby the other day. It was his first, first baliki rugby. He's six years old, grade R. It's that rugby where they're all together like this, and they just, and then one gets the ball and they run sideways, and then they run down the. <laughs> the, the, the um, sideline and they just go and score. So he played that and um, he got hold of the ball. And um, before that, there was one of these Shabbat ladies um, 
And she was shouting in the sun, back off, back off, back off, back off. And um, then he doesn't, and he's like looking, because his mom is shouting, this rugby, he doesn't know what to do. And eventually he got the message he needs to tackle. So he was in Reese's team. And they were all in the bono, and Reese was waiting outside, and the ball pops out, and Reese gets it. And he's got a try line, a couple of feet away from him, and it's open, it's clear. And his teammate, whose mom has been shouting, but then was, back off, back off. He just sees he's a kid with a ball, and he <laughs> tackles him. And he tackles his own teammate. <laughs> it was classic. Shabach, it's the shark because of the goodness of God. Zamar, be exalted, O Lord, in thy own strength. So we will sing praise. Zama, what is Zama? Zama means to pluck the instruments. Why do we have worship like this? Not just because we want to be funky and like happening church, a live church. It's biblical to strum the instruments. It's biblical to play music and to sing the praises of God with instruments. Doesn't mean you've got to have an instrument. You've got an instrument here. Sometimes you've got one. Just praise God. Praise God. It's to sing, to pluck the instruments, to sing, to praise. So singing is part of praising God. Tehillah is the last one we're going to look at. And it comes from the word halal, where hallelujah comes from. It's to sing halals. It's to sing the praises of God. So we need to shout His praise. We need to declare His praise. We need to express it. And we need to sing about His goodness. This is biblical praise giving um, throughout. Hebrews Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, this is New Testament. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips that openly profess His name. So we need to continually offer to God sacrifices of praise. Like we just read. Express our delight in Him continually. So why do we do that? Let's start to wrap this up. Why do we do that? Firstly, because God is worthy. Psalm 65 is 1, Psm 63, Psalm 95, 2 to 3. He is worthy of our praise. We were once dead in our transgressions, dead in our sin. We deserve death. The Bible said that all have sinned. All of us have missed the mark in some way or another. And therefore, we deserve death. But then Jesus came, he took in our place, and he died on the cross for us. And in his blood that was shed, there's life for us. There's freedom for us. There's eternal salvation for us. If you don't have any reason, that's one right there. He saved us. He saved us for eternity, and we did nothing. He saved us. He is worthy of a praise. His greatness, there's no one like him. His greatness is incomparable. Secondly, we instructed to worship him. Psalm 148 and Psalm 150. Thirdly, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. In Luke 10 verse 21, it says, At that time, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of the heaven and the earth. If you look at that Greek word, it's agaleo. It means to jump for joy. So Jesus, Jesus, praise the Father, 
and he jumped for joy. We read praise and we think, he said, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. No, that's not what Jesus did. He jumped for joy. So when they originally wrote it, those readers understood. Jesus jumped because of his delight in the Father. So why do we do it? Because he's worthy. Because we've been instructed as a people to do it. And we do it because Jesus did it. And so that takes away any excuse. Fourthly, we enter his presence through praise and thanksgiving. Enter his gates for thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We, we don't go to his presence. His presence is with us. But when we start to thank him and praise him, we become aware of his nearness. It's almost like that causes us to become aware of his goodness all around us. And in that moment, we're in his presence. I tell you now, if you take that seven minutes, seven times a day, and you do that exercise and you praise and pause, you'll experience his presence in that moment. You will. So we enter his presence. In his presence, goodness and life forevermore. And then lastly, we do it to flip the script. What do I mean with that? To flip the script. It's a slang phrase, and it means to reverse the situation, so to change the direction or order or position or result of something. It's to change it. So when we praise, the Bible is full of examples where we see praise is a weapon that we have as a people of God. And that weapon is to flip the script. It's to reverse the situation, a result, an order. So when we caught up in our life is good and things are just okay, many times in those moments we drift from God. And when we praise, we flip the script. And we say, it's not about my life. It's not about my comfort. It's about Him. When I'm in a difficult situation and it's turmoil and it's distress and there's difficulty, I flip the script by praising God. When I'm consumed by my own thoughts, when I'm consumed by the situation I'm in, I turn to Him and I turn my eyes on Him. And I flip the script. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. You see here in, um, in Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing. Let me read that. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When you are anxious, the Bible says that we will be. But when we are anxious, there's something that we need to do. We need to flip the script. How do we flip the script? We turn our focus on Him and we start praising Him. And when we do, the Bible says something happens. The peace of God that transcends all understanding rules in our hearts. There's actually something that happens. Something in the atmosphere shifts when we start praising God. So we feel it's an insignificant thing. It's actually very powerful because something shifts. From anxiety to peace. That surpasses all understanding. So it doesn't make sense. It's like my situation hasn't changed. I should actually still be anxious. But I'm not. Why not? Because I've turned my focus on Him. And I'm enjoying His presence. Isaiah 61 says, A garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. In 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 20, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, goes into battle. You know how they won that battle? They just plucked the instruments and they sang praises to God. 
So there's a whole army, a vicious army, and they're just praising God. And while they're praising God, the enemy is killing one another. It's like, where do you come from? I don't know, but I'm going to kill you. And while they're killing one another, the people of God are just praising. And when they're done, there's a vast army that's just been destroyed. It's a real occurrence. It really happens. But that happens in the spiritual dynamic as well. When we praise God, God goes and He battles for us. Psalm 27 verse 6 says, He lifts our heads when we praise above our enemies. He's enthroned in our praises. When we start to praise Him, there's something of the rule of God that we experience. Scripture says to the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. I found that when I praise God personally, when I start praising God, I come aware of His rule, His goodness, and peace comes into my heart. And it increases in my heart. Acts 16 when Paul and Silas were in jail, they praised God, and the prison doors flung open. And in that moment of their despair and stress, God came through. Praise cuts the ropes of despair, and praise unlocks the jail of depression and anxiety and worry. Praise sets our spirits free, sets our minds free. I want to end with this story in Genesis 29. Whenever you look at something in Scripture, there's a principle that says, look at the very first time you see it in Scripture. They call it the law of first mention. Because normally the first time it happened, there's some key things that God wants us to learn and to know about. In worship, the law first time worship was mentioned was when Abraham offered Isaac. That sacrifice, that unconditional sacrifice. And then God provided that moment. Abram told Isaac, let's go to the hill and we're going to worship. We're going to offer. We're going to offer what's dear. So worship is giving what is dear. It's sacrifice. Law first mentioned. Any of you know the first time the word praise is mentioned in Scripture? I, also, I thought about it and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There must be something in it. I hope so. Because <laughs> it will definitely suck if I look and there's nothing and I plan on this for the sermon. Um, so surely there must be something. Because when the, the law first mentioned, when something is mentioned for the first time, there's some keys there. So let's look at where praise is mentioned for the very first time in Scripture. And let's draw from that. We find that in Genesis 29 verse 31. So Jacob the deceiver... He goes to work at someone's house and he sees two of his daughters and he wants to marry the one. And the deceiver reaps what he sowed. <laughs> and the father of the two daughters gets him to marry the oldest sister, Leah. And Jacob actually wanted to marry Rachel. He's discontent. He's irritated with the deception. And he doesn't love this woman that he just married. So for seven years, he carries on to work at his father-in-law. At his father-in-law. And then he got, gets the privilege to marry Rachel, the woman that he was actually after. Rachel couldn't have children, so it was only Leah that could bear him children. Now, back in the culture then, if a son was born, that was like, if your wife bore your son, she was wonderful. She was amazing, because there was inheritance. So Leah can have children, so she knows. You know, she's never been accepted 
She's never been acknowledged by her husband. But maybe if she bears him a son, he will notice her. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. But Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben and said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Okay, so he's like, okay, the Lord has seen, but I'm hoping that I'll be acknowledged by my husband now through this child. So a focus was on a situation. A focus was on getting affirmation, acknowledgement. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I'm not loved, he gave me this one too. She named him Simeon. Because the Lord has heard, he heard me, but I'm still hoping that I'll get some form of recognition down here by my husband. Verse 34. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I'm not, sorry, now that at last she gave birth to a son, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Now at last, a deepest longing it's unfulfilled. The deepest longing was for her husband's acknowledgement. And this is the first time praise gets mentioned. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to her son, she said, This time, I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah. It means the praise of God and the line of Jesus from there. And then she stopped having children. This time, I will praise the Lord. Isn't it powerful? In a place of despair. A deep longing, not being recognized in that place of being discontent. It's almost like if you think of any situation that starts with a D, discouragement, disillusion, despair, depression, anything that starts with a D, if you're there, (laughs) what you need to do is to praise God. And she flipped the script. Can you see that? Discontent. Every time hoping that this time, this time, and just nothing is working out. Then she flips the script and she says, this time I'll praise the Lord. And what happens? There's contentment. There's contentment. Whatever you're facing, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. There's only one who will satisfy our deepest longings. And that's God. And that's what Leah discovered here. There's only one that would satisfy the deepest longing. He's our portion. Allow him to satisfy you. Allow him to satisfy you. Isn't it powerful? Interesting thing is, after this, she had more children. And then she named him names. And she chased after her husband's acceptance again. Scripture says we need to continually praise God every day. It's not something that we do one Sunday and we think that's it. Because this longing, these longings down here will constantly cause us to drift. But we need to constantly flip the script. How many times do we need to flip the script? Every day. Seven times a day. In the assembly, out in your bed, alone at home, in the public. Let's go flip the script. Amen? So I'm not sure where you're at. Maybe you're in a good space. Maybe you're content in life. Maybe you're in that place where Leah found herself. Depressed. Disillusioned. Discouraged. Let's flip the script this morning. And let's express our true delight in God. And let's know that today, it's a weapon that we can apply. 
Let's trust that something would shift in our lives and the lives of those around us. And when you go home this afternoon, it's a weapon. Tomorrow, it's a weapon. Amen? As a freebie, when Paul and Silas was in jail and the Israelites fought under the rule of Jehoshaphat, as the people praised, as Paul and Silas praised, it says that the prison doors flung open for others as well. And I find sometimes praising God is warfare for other souls as well. Sometimes people are just struggling and they can't get there. Your prayers can set them free. Your prayers can help them. Amen.